Well, this is the week two of the season of Lent. I hope you're having a very holy Lent so far. Um, We are continuing the sermon series, Following Jesus, and as I promised again this week in the, right by the sermon notes, there's another Practicing the Presence uh, exercise, spiritual discipline that you can practice this coming week. Um, It has to do with gratitude, so I invite you to participate in growing closer to God through gratitude this coming week. And then you'll see listed there a a series of scriptures about uh, faith and about grace. Because the topic today has to do with the law versus grace and faith. And so those were a lot of words that Paul said in his, um, in that part of the letter. Paul never said in three words what he could say in 30. And so Paul is a master of sort of weaving an argument. Um, But we're going to try to get to the heart of the matter of what it is, um, the law versus faith through grace. and so I want to start with just some, some thoughts about law in general. So bring your, bring your mind to local law, state law, national law. I, I think most of us have sort of a love-hate relationship with the law. Um, we love sort of the predictability that it gives when everybody is operating by the same set of rules, right? That's the, the purpose of law is to help a community, a, a state, a nation to be all going by the same rules. And it does lend a sense of predictability um, as long as everybody is playing by those same rules. But I have to say, I think uh, living under a law also causes us to push against boundaries, to find where those boundaries of the law are occasionally. So the sign says, Speed limit of 70 miles an hour. How many people push against that? Just to, do they really mean 70? Or would 74 be a, be a good compromise there, right? Laws give us something that's often we sort of want to push against exactly what is breaking the law. And so it is that we love the protection of the law. Law at best gives us wonderful protections. And we sort of hate the restrictions when I personally would like to do something a little bit different than what the letter of the law says. But here's the thing with laws. Laws can enforce obedience, and that's a good thing. They do do that. Laws can enforce obedience, but laws can never change who we are. They can never change who we are on the inside, can control outer behavior, cannot change who we are on the inside. And as it goes with national or state or local law, so it goes with religious law as well. There were 613 laws for the Jewish people at the time of Jesus. And and at the time that those laws had been given, they served a great purpose. After all, it was that they helped a group of slaves that had been enslaved in in Egypt for many years. And as they came into their freedom by the hand of God, crossed through the wilderness and into the promised land, they needed to know what it was to live as free people in a community with each other under God. And so the laws were given as a gift. Um, and, And they... All the laws that were given, not only did it govern the religious life of the community, but also the the secular, the the community life, because it was all one in this nation. Um, 
And then like with current laws, over time, what's called case law developed on top of the laws that were given. And case law says, how do you apply that law in this specific case, this specific situation? Um, And one example of that is the law of the Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath holy and to, to rest on the Sabbath. But then people wanted to know, what does that mean? You know, what if one of your animals runs away? What if somebody gets sick? How far can you walk? What does it mean to rest on the Sabbath? And so the sect called Pharisees grew up, um, and they were sort of legal scholars, and they helped the common people understand, in this case, what does that mean? What does it mean to, uh, to, how many steps could you take on the Sabbath? But here's the thing. What had been given as a gift on, on how to do life with God and with the community, for some folks that became sort of a prison. Um, and, and Jesus pushed against some of those laws um, when he saw that people were more concerned about what they looked like on the outside than being humane or showing mercy to someone else. We see that more frequently around the Sabbath laws, right? He was forever getting into trouble for healing on the Sabbath. The Pharisees considered that work, and Jesus said that it's more important to be compassionate. And so he pushed against some of these religious laws that had developed. And after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension and the birth of the church, there were lots of questions about how much of the Jewish law Christ followers, Christians, should be compelled to keep. I encourage you to read uh, the book of Acts. It is wonderful. It tells the story of the early church, and it shows how they wrestled with this question um, of how much of the Mosaic law are we required to keep. It was a constant issue. Because, of course, the first Christians were Jews. Jesus was Jewish. So the first followers of his were Jewish, and they sort of came to the table with a common understanding of Scripture of uh, God Almighty. They, they sort of came at things the same way, but it changed. <laughs> it changed when it spread, the gospel spread to the non-Jews or the Gentiles because they didn't have that set of scriptures uh, growing up and for generations like the Jewish people did. They didn't come from the same mindset uh, about God that the Jewish people did. And so the question became how Jewish do these folks need to get before they can also be Christian? And, and suddenly things got a little bit sticky. Salvation as a gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ was Paul's message, period. <laughs> Salvation as a gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ period. Paul argues that no amount of effort on our part can ever make us righteous enough to earn God's favor. And so he was adamant about faith through grace. And in this portion of scripture that we read today and in other places in Paul's writings as well, he talks about even Father Abraham, the very patriarch of the faith, um, 
Father Abraham in, the, in Genesis, right? He's the one who was called by God to leave his homeland and go to a place where God would show. And there he would have descendants like the, sea, the sands on the seashore um, and the stars in the sky and that he would inherit this land or his descendants would. And Abraham believed God's promise and scripture says it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Before he ever did anything, Paul argues, other than believe God and believe God's promise, he was declared righteous. So Paul makes the point that everyone who trusts in God are Abraham's heirs of the promise, not just those who were given the Mosaic law hundreds of years after Abraham, as a matter of fact. <clears throat> the promise to Abraham was that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. And, and that's Paul's argument. And, and he says, laws are like boundaries. Laws are like boundaries. They are meant to keep some people in and the folks that are outside to keep them outside. And Jewish law did that. It was designed to help the, the Israelites have a very distinct identity apart from the nations that were around them to remind them and to remind others that God was present with them in a very specific way. And so they were to be different. They were to be set apart. They were to be holy as a witness to each other and to the world. They were blessed in order that they might be a blessing. You see, the law was a gift it was to show them and the world around them what people who followed this invisible God looked like and lived like and loved like and served like. But instead, for some, it became like a, like a noose around them, and they became more concerned with how they looked on the outside, did they appear to be following the law versus how they actually were on the inside? I think we still struggle with this. Not, not with the Jewish law, of course, but with the laws of what we think correct religion should look like. And then we measure ourselves against that mark of correct religion. And, and then we measure others, usually against a higher mark even than that. And if our image of God is that of a somewhat frowning, older father figure looking at us and wondering if we're ever going to get it right, <laughs> well, we're going to work maybe to, to really uh, to measure up. And then we wear ourselves out with that work. Or we may choose the course of simply giving up, knowing that that older, disapproving father figure in our head will never be satisfied, so just why bother? And we may just vacillate between those two extremes. First of all, trying our very hardest and then going through a time of just giving up. Or maybe even just thinking we could fool him if we looked good enough on the outside, even when our insides are a mess. And then we just get full of shame and guilt. 
Jesus offers us something different. The picture that he shares of the Father was that of an unconditionally loving, embracing Father who takes joy in his children when they mess up and when they shine. Following Jesus away from the law into grace is a freeing journey that fixes those broken places that are inside of us, that assure us that we are well-loved and empowers us to help others understand that reality as well, using our words and through our actions. And so in trying to think of an illustration that would, that would sort of help this, this issue um, of law and faith or grace sort of come alive a little bit, I, I turn to the sound of music. <laughs> Stay with me a minute. So if you've seen the sound of music, you, you know it's set in Austria just before and then during the Nazi invasion of Austria during World War II. But the part that made me think about it was the, the widowed, retired Austrian naval officer, Captain von Trapp, He's made his Austrian home one that is really overly restrictive um, and, and really harshly enforced discipline. And, and unintentionally, I believe, he has caused the joy to just drain out of the life of his children as he has been such a strict disciplinarian. And then enter Maria. <laughs> The, a nun in preparation for her final vows, and she's sent to live as a governess for these seven children. And so as I think about what a law image for me might look like, for me it looks a lot like Captain Von Trapp whistling for his children. <laughs> His children come running when he whistles, but they do so out of fear. They, they stand there and he carefully examines each one of them, makes sure their little uniform is exactly the way it should be. Um, and, and they respond, but they respond because they are made to respond. And so that's my law image. Uh, the grace image for me. <laughs> is this musical interlude. <clears throat> uh, in this part of it, it's during the, the little goodbye song that the children are singing later on. <clears throat> It'll be during the good, that's the good night one, the goodbye one at the, toward the end of the movie. And it reminds me of grace because of the joy that has been brought into the lives of the children and of course later to Captain Von Trapp as well. Now, these children, they still love and they follow their father. That hasn't changed. But they do so even more now as they experience this grace and this love. And they do so out of joy and not out of fear. See, Captain Von Trapp was, was trapped, if you would, in the law. He felt like the only way to, to get his children to behave was through a very strict regulation of their actions. Some of us have an image of God that's like that, like a, like a strict disciplinarian standing, smileless, ready 
to call us to attention. The problem with the law in Jesus' time, in Paul's time, in our time, was that was what was given as a gift to help Israel function as a nation apart from others, to, to help them to learn about how to treat themselves and treat others, had become like a vice, squeezing the love and the joy of God out of them as they and as we realize that you cannot earn God's love by being good enough. Paul writes about it frequently in his letters. And in Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 to 29, Paul writes, Before the coming of faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified through faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And then, of course, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, he writes, For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing... It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. We place our faith in Jesus Christ. And through him, we receive grace upon grace to know God's heart of love, to respond to God's offer of love and a place in his family, and to live out our lives in love of God and of our neighbor, bound only by the law of love. I want to follow that Jesus. How about you? Let us pray. Gracious God, Lord, we bring to you our sometimes skewed image of you. We ask, God, that you would replace that with the knowledge that you are our loving Father who calls us into a relationship through Christ Jesus our Lord. Help us, O oh God, to respond joyfully to the grace that you offer through faith and change us from the inside out. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.